Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Not too different, but a little bit. If you're new to listening to Authentic Influence, by the way, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to our community. Looking forward to having you be a part of it. And you'll know from listening to past episodes that I typically interview CMOs, and each episode focuses on a singular brand, and the way that CMO is taking that brand to the next level via mobilizing their masses and becoming more authentic each and every day. But today, we're not interviewing just one brand. In fact, we're not even interviewing CMO. I'll be talking with Sir Martin Sorrell. Sir Martin Sorrell founded S4 Capital and previously founded WPP. So more on the agency side than on a specific brand. You'll also find that he's very opinionated and he's definitely an interesting person to talk to because he's been on the marketing side for all sorts of brands from an agency perspective for a long, long time. This guy's sort of a legend of the industry. So I was really excited to be able to get a few minutes with him and I'm just gonna let you listen into his perspective. In fact, I'm gonna let you dive straight into this one. Now bear in mind, it's the first interview we've had with an agency. So if you have any ideas for the kinds of questions I should be asking when having these types of interviews, feel free to reach out to me and interact with us across social. I'll tell you how you can do that after the interview. But for now, this is S4 Capital's Sir Martin Sorrell. Programmatic offer through Mighty Hive. Uh, our model is, uh, we're purely digital, so we're just focused on the growth, which is an industry that's growing at 20%. We grew in the first half of the year by 40% on a like-for-like basis, uh, 45%, 50% on a reported basis. Uh, and people are anticipating we'll grow by 50% on a like-for-like basis for the year and 60% on a, on a close to it on a reported basis. So that's all uh, extremely good. Uh, we have clients that, uh, 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 the core of our clients are in the tech area. They are disruptors rather than disrupted companies, but we also work for a major FMCGs, uh, Procter, Nestle, Mondelez, and most recently Coca-Cola. Uh, in pharma, with companies like Bayer and Merck, uh, and uh, in telecommunications com- companies like Sprint and Vodafone. So, so the first year has been very exciting from the point of view of uh, growth uh, and vitality. Uh, our model is purely digital. Uh, our model is about this holy trinity of first-party data fueling or driving digital content and programmatic in a continuous loop. It's rather like running an election campaign. Tempole campaigns are still there they will still be important in with various events such as the world cup or uh, or the oscars or, or events like that or the olympic games but uh, essentially we think this you know 24 7 always on world this iterative model of first party data content and programmatic is critical our third uh, core principle is faster better cheaper sounds glib but it, it isn't really faster means more agility better means understanding the ecosystem of the the ten, I think, big tech companies, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Tencent, Alibaba, the fearsome five, the seven sisters you add, Apple and Microsoft, and then the magnificent ten or whatever you want to call it, uh, where the where including uh, Oracle, uh, Salesforce, uh, and of course Adobe. So those ten companies, you could add SAP and IBM, you could add ByteDance and Baidu to make it 14, but that's the ecosystem in which we operate in. So better means better understanding of those 14 companies, if you like, and then cheaper means more efficiency. And the final core principle 
is a unitary structure. We're, we're not interested in earnouts. We want people who want to buy into our philosophy of this essentially disruptive model that we've, uh, we call it new era and new age, but it's essentially disruptive. It's the, the digital model rather than the analog or legacy model. So we're not weighed down in any way by uh, analog inefficiencies or legacy inefficiencies. We can focus on the growth. And the companies that you've just mentioned that you work with, yeah. uh, especially in FMCG, um, you were here at Advertising Week. I know you're giving a conversation on first-party data. Um, those companies don't strike me, at least, as ones who are easily able to get first-party data at scale. Uh, and I know well, they're trying to. Yeah, so, right. so when the Wall Gardens signaled in 2016 that they were not going to share data to the extent that everybody, including ourselves, thought they would, uh, clients started to pivot to direct-to-consumer. So Unilever buys Dollar Shave Club, right. Nestle buys the Starbucks Frank franchise for whatever it was, $7 yeah, billion, dollars, Costa as well. and Costa with Coca-Cola. So what's happening is that clients are seeing there's a sort of twofold strategy. One is building a direct relationship with the consumer because they thought they were going to displace Walmart, Tesco, and Carrefour. Right. Uh, but along comes the e-tailers, the Amazons and and uh, Tencent and Alibaba's. I mean, when, when Amazon launches Lady Gaga Cosmetics or the, the, that, that shoe whose name I can't remember that uh, they just copied at half the price, uh, it looks almost exactly the same, the, the, um, the sustainable shoe. Right, yes. Um, when they, when they, Amazon are starting to build private label penetration, yep. looking at their most pro popular products and services. Um, that's a big warning a warning sign, a warning shot to establish brands. So established brands have to do two things. They have to establish, uh, it's counterintuitive, a sort of brick strategies. They have to build specialist stores, you know, Nespresso stores or Christian Dior perfume stores in China, 200 of them, where which deal direct with their, their consumers and they build their data sources, their first party data sources, and they also have to build their .com. So they have to build uh, Nespresso.com or ChristianDeal.com. So they have a two-part bricks and click strategy, if you like. Right. And everybody's pursuing that. I mean, everybody with a legacy business is pursuing that strategy. And even you could argue that tech companies are. So that's, I think, the way that clients are trying to build first-party data assets. Many of them have tremendous first-party data assets, but they don't talk to one another. Many of these companies have grown by acquisition. Financial services companies, the banks. They're using IT, they're spending $10, $11 billion a year on IT, and a lot of the IT spend is against the consumer rather than against uh, the, the internal IT. But it sits in the IT function, and the CMO often doesn't have control of that spending. It's the CTO does. So that's why this, you get this split between the CTO and the CMO, and they have to come together. And there's a third function that's in, also important in that context, the CSO, the chief sales officer, who, you know, the, the industry is 500 billion in media, our industry, advertising and marketing services, 500 billion in media, 500 billion in marketing services, and about 700 billion, making a total of 1.7 trillion in trade budgets. Primary, the primary sort of sector of that 700 billion is 400 billion in trade budgets. That's what Amazon goes after. So the CSO, the chief sales officer, is also an important function. So the marketing function has sort of been spread over marketing, over tech and over sales, and it really has to be united again uh, because we're we're at, at S four. We're looking at all those areas. Who's done really well at that, bringing all of those together so far? Nobody has. 
Uh, you mean from a client point of view? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, ironically, it, it's the tobacco companies and the alcohol companies, those companies that were subject to regulation that have compressed their structures more than others. Um, and, you know, the tobacco industry is quite interesting because when they got regulated, when tobacco come, came under regulation, they started to uh, combine the sales and marketing function in a quite an effective way because they were denied access to traditional media. So mm. they, they went alternative media. So they started to integrate more. And the same thing I think is true of... Um, the, the drinks industry to some extent for the regulatory reason as well. But the answer is beyond that, I think very few have, and there's, I think, a lot more to come. And what we have at S4, we have 1,550 people, and half of them are what I would call creatives, and half of them are nerds. So we combine production or creation with technology. And the, the nature of the people, we're sitting in Mighty Hive's offices, there are 300 and... 300 plus of them and about 1,200 plus of, uh, of um, media monks in various locations. We cover 22 countries between the two companies. Uh, but the people here are not typical agency people. They come from the technology companies. The founders come from Google and Yahoo. Uh, they come from Salesforce. They don't come from agencies. And on the media monk side, the, the bulk of them don't come from agencies either. On the front of- A lot of people in the agency business would like to join us. Right, but but they're often compensated in uh, in in too too much in a legacy way. It's a really important point. I'm not we're not going to import agency inflation into this business. Right. What, what other elements are, are you looking to slough off from what you would consider a legacy? Um, no, I mean, we're focused just on on the digital. We're just with a client who said, you know, they have a big traditional part of their business would be interest. We is a company we already work for and want to work more with a tech company. And they said, well, we do spend on traditional, are you sort of interested in that? And I said, no, we want to focus, we want to push on an open door. We don't think we're you know, above, average, above average ability or intelligence. So we do better, you know, when, uh, what is it, Warren Buffett's, uh, you know, a quote about, you know, who, who wins in, 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 in a difficult industry. Is it the firm of the industry? And, and it's, it's a question about being in the right industry at the right time with the growth. Got it. On the front of building direct relationships, what industries out there do you think are doing that particularly well on the client side? On what, doing what well? Uh, building direct relationships in, as in capturing this sort of first party data. And, well, the insurance and industry are doing a good job in that. You know, I'm a great admirer of what Geico has done in building its brand and understanding communities. So I think financial services does it well. You know, I was looking, I was in Singapore over the weekend and there was somebody there from Goldman showing me their, their, their Goldman's new Apple credit card. Right. Uh, that, I think, is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenally interesting development. There'll be some very interesting first-party data that comes out of I'm that. I'm sure. Netflix does a brilliant job on first-party data. Uber does. So there, there are lots of examples of that. They tend, I think, probably to be financial services <coughs> companies, <coughs> Uh, FMCG companies are starting to do that. But the biggest problem you find it in financial services too is a lot of these companies have grown by acquisition. They have different systems. They have systems that won't talk to one another. Or the costs of creating the same system are so huge, it's very difficult to do. Right. And so as a first couple of steps, and what would you suggest that they do to start? Well, I think uh, the first thing to do is to understand the nature of the problem. 
I think the second thing is to take the write-off. I think it's very easy to say, you know, average life of a CEO is about five or six years. Average life of a company, according to McKinsey, in the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100 is about 17 years. With that sort of environment, people, if you're in an uncontrolled listed company where you're, you know, you're subject to views on short-term performance, it's very difficult to take the hit. But I really believe you should take the hit. Right. And and you should uh, ultimately, I think, to to and changing a legacy business is extremely difficult. You know, you promise the street or the city that the legacy business is going to deliver things in the old-fashioned way: revenues, profits, margins, cash flow, etc. And of course, when the legacy business doesn't perform, the tendency is to put pressure on the legacy business to perform, and that makes the legacy business less willing to change. Right. It's the the opposite. Ariana Huffington has a very good quote. She says, failure is not the, the opposite of success. It's the platform to success. And I think there's something in that. Yep. In terms of brands bringing uh, creative and other uh, elements of their business in-house, that's become very popular now and um, yeah. a hot-button item. Um, what well, do everybody's you, doing it. We right. reckon about 65% of companies are taking back control. It's a very important point. I think uh, clients felt, feel that they've cut their marketing expenses to the bone. They've cut their marketing staffs to the bone, particularly of legacy companies. And in order to build that direct to the consumer capability, you have to build them up again. Part of that is a question of in-housing. Should we in-house programmatic? Should we in-house content? You know, what should we do? How should we do it? Let's talk back about S4. Um, what, what do you foresee as uh, sort of being uh, the vision for S4 over the next four or five years? Well, there's uh, those four things, purely digital, that holy trinity model of first-party data driving digital content and programmatic, faster, better, cheaper, and unitary. I mean, what we're trying to do is build a new era, new age model, and displace the traditional model. And what sort? I guess as a closing question, what sort of advice would you give a CMO of one of these brands who is who is attempting to build these more direct relationships, capture more first-party data? Try us. So <laughs> Try us on the content <laughs> and the programmatic side. Yeah. You know, the the issue for us is how do we. Our model, I, I mean, both Media Monks and Mighty have a very good, if I, if I get them in front of a client or they get in front of a client, uh, 90% of the time they convert. The issue for us is how our biggest client is $20 million. It's doubled from last year. How do we get those clients to convert at scale hmm. with us? Yep. Well, I uh, appreciate all your insight all right. on this. And I hope there is some insight. Yeah, there. no, of Everybody course. says, you know, how insightful. That's the polite thing well, to I say. Mean, I, Whether it's meaningful or not is another question. Well, the thing is with this show is that it's mostly been with CMOs. And you're the first, I mean, from an agency side. Well, let's find we, out what the CMOs think. So any CMOs out there listening, please let me know. Martin at S4Capital.com. I'm going to send them to literally every CMO <laughs> I've talked to. So uh, okay. get prepared for that. Thanks very much uh, indeed. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much to Sir Martin Sorrell for joining the podcast today. It was great to hear about your perspective and why you founded S4 Capital. Certainly interesting to see where that will go in the future. If you like these interviews, if you like this show, if you want to hear from more agencies, I want to know your opinions. I want to know what questions I should be asking next. I want to know who you think I should talk to next. Here's some ways you can do that. Follow us on LinkedIn, Authentic Influence Podcast. There's a page there. You can also connect directly with me, Adam Connor. Happy to converse with you either way. And if you feel so compelled, please do leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. I love having that validation and that feedback in an open forum. 
I'll be back again on Monday with another fantastic interview. We're going to go back to CMOs for a little bit, and I got a really special one on tap. This one is with Spartan Race. I'll be interviewing CMO Corolla Jane. So look forward to that. And in the meantime, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.